Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. It's Friday, February 23rd, 2018. Our weekly guest on the show is Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly senior writer, who joins me today from PW's New York headquarters. Welcome back to Beyond the Book, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. So on Tuesday, Andrew, Arnaud Nori, he's the chairman and CEO of Paris-based Hachette Leaf, the global publishing giant, found himself in the headlines over remarks he had made to India-based news service scroll.in. In that interview, Nori called the ebook a, quote, stupid product. Not surprisingly, that's kicked off quite a discussion in publishing circles, which you'll be writing about today for Publishers Weekly. What do you make of Nori's colorful comments? Yes, quite a discussion indeed. And we should note that Nuri's comments to scroll, which come following a meeting of the International Publishers Association in Delhi earlier this month, pertains to trade ebooks, novels and such, and not educational or inf- informational texts. And I think there's been some confusion about that. And his comments have been interpreted by some as calling ebooks or perhaps digital reading stupid, which of course isn't what he said. What he said, and I'll get the quote here and read it to you, is the ebook is a stupid product. It is exactly the same as print, except it's electronic. There is no creativity, no enhancement, no real digital experience. We as publishers have not done a great job going digital. We've tried. We've tried enhanced or enriched ebooks. Didn't work. We've tried apps, websites with our content. We have one or two successes among a hundred failures. I'm talking about the entire industry. We've not done very well. So while everyone almost could agree with Nori that publishers have not done a great job going digital, should we also agree he's right that the ebook is a stupid product? Well, I think he's absolutely right. And the key word here being product. But that's not because ebooks don't have more digital bells and whistles, as he suggests, not because they haven't been enhanced or larded with, you know, multimedia, but because as currently imagined, the ebook market, and to some degree, the very concept of the ebook itself is designed more to protect publishers' legacy businesses than to serve the needs, wants, or even the expectations of digital readers today. Now, I always appreciate Arno's passion and his honesty. I had a great interview with him at Frankfurt a couple of years ago. We talked about this very subject. But it strikes me as a little disingenuous for a publisher like Arno Nuri to bemoan the lack of innovation in the publishing industry's digital products when the industry is insisting that those digital products be designed to mimic their analog counterparts, including analog era friction. I don't know if you remember, our listeners will remember that a few years ago. We talked about how to add friction to ebooks so they weren't, you know, so easy to use. Now, I understand why the industry wants it to be this way. It's about preserving a long and entrenched and vital infrastructure, and Arnaud would never hide or apologize for that, uh, which in some ways is very refreshing. Uh, you have to defend the logic of your market, he said to Scroll, against the interests of big technology companies and their business models. Uh, but you have to admit, it's not exactly a winning strategy for digital. And you really can't credibly say, we tried, if your digital model also includes restrictions designed to preserve your analog model. So what stands out most to me in Nuri's comments is that, not that he called ebooks a stupid product, but really how little we've moved the ball forward when it comes to digital reading and how little innovation we can apparently expect from publishers. If ebooks are stupid products, well, that's because how publishers want them right now. And, you know, Nuri says, hey, we tried. And then he goes on to mention how Hachette is now pivoting to buying video game companies. Um, Like, that's where the innovation is going to come from. But what about digital reading? That's really the question I'm left with here. Most ebook consumers I know, in fact, 99.9% of the ebook readers I know, could really care less 
about enhanced or multimedia ebooks. They couldn't care less that Hachette is buying video game companies and trying to glean some, some new information from them. Readers today just want the convenience of reading and having their library available to them on their phones. And nowhere is the frustration with ebooks more evident than in the library space, where demand for digital books is still on the rise, and yet ebooks are expensive, restrictive, complicated, and really much more difficult to manage than their print counterparts. And here's the rub. In his comments, Nori says he doesn't see the current decline in traditional publishers' ebook revenues reversing itself. And I find that very telling. And what it tells me is that publishers are absolutely content to see ebooks priced high with limited functionality and stuck on these proprietary platforms. And that a decade after the Kindle launched, the publishers are content to hold back the potential of the digital reading market in order to pop up print sales. Well, I think that should be worrisome. When Beyond the Book returns, PW's Andrew Albanese offers parting words on a politically charged lawsuit that met its demise this week. I'm Christopher Keneally with Copyright Clearance Center's Beyond the Book. Publishers Weekly Radio has the very best in book talk directly from New York City, the heart of the book publishing world. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly. And I'm Rose Fox. I'm a Senior Reviews Editor at Publishers Weekly. Join us every Friday for a full hour of exciting author interviews, best-selling books, and expert reports on the nuts and bolts of publishing. Every week, we make sure that you have the inside story of your favorite story. Take a listen at publishersweekly.com slash pwradio. I'm Christopher Keneally for CCC's Beyond the Book with Andrew Albanese of Publishers Weekly. It's Friday, February 23rd, 2018. And before the break, Andrew, you were describing how publishers, including Hachette Leave CEO Anno Nori, may be happy to see ebooks faltering in the marketplace. Earlier this year, you shared sales stats from the Association of American Publishers that say print has indeed seen a rebound in popularity over recent years. And you suggest further that the publisher's goal is to smother ebook sales as part of what's basically an upside down digital strategy. Are publishers seeing any success with this? Yeah, well, it's worth noting that while print use is up over the last five years or so, revenues are not. And it's worth noting that profit margins on digital sales are excellent. So, okay, yes, maybe this is a transitional strategy for publishing. Maybe they, if not smothering, I would say at least restraining digital. Uh, but as print levels off, as it now appears to be doing, uh, maybe publishers will start to look at a way, at ways to boost their revenues through digital. Maybe the book business will have its Trump moment. And I say, Trump moment because newspapers like the New York Times and the Washington Post have flipped their business models from ad-based to digital subscriptions. In fact, the Times recently reported that it has now surpassed a billion dollars in subscription revenue. And a lot of that has to do with the news cycles coming out of Washington these days, which has really opened the eyes of readers to the importance of supporting great journalism. And of course, self-publishing and indie publishers are also moving more aggressively into the ebook space, and that's probably going to push publishers too, which Nuri actually acknowledges. So I'll just say this, there's really no dispute that the internet today is now the focal point of our world. Uh, sure, I, print is always going to have a place, I truly believe that, books are always going to be around. Uh, and maybe publishers are really just trying to slow the change to a, a more manageable pace by putting their thumbs on the ebook scale. 
And I'd like to believe that's true. In fact, I'm going to kind of hold that's true right now because the alternative would be to believe that publishers think they can be the sole remaining blockbuster video store in the Netflix world. All right. Well, finally this week, we wave farewell to alt-right firebrand Milo Yiannopoulos, whose ship sailed this week when he quietly dropped a breach of contract lawsuit against Simon & Schuster. Ah, farewell, Milo. (laughs) As much as I enjoy a good legal battle, I hasten to say I really won't miss this one. So for our listeners that may not have heard, yes, uh, Milo Yiannopoulos withdrew his lawsuit with prejudice, which means it's done uh, against Simon & Schuster. That effectively ends his $10 million breach of contract legal battle with the publisher. So what happened? Well, in a nutshell, Milo miscalculated what he was going to get from this suit. And he then overplayed his hand. So he miscalculated because his bet was that he could turn this suit into a publicity generator. And I think what he found out is that no one really cares about a publishing lawsuit. No one outside of our circles anyway. And certainly no one out of our, outside of our circles really knows who Simon & Schuster is. You know, it doesn't resonate like suing MSNBC, for example. So the publicity value of the lawsuit really turned out to be quite limited. And then he overplayed his hand because this was always a narrow claim. As we discussed on this show when the suit was first filed, it was a breach of contract suit in a state court that would have netted him at most had he won the remainder of his agreed-to advance. And once Milo succeeded in having the suit not be dismissed, really that was the ballgame. That was his moment to strike some kind of confidential settlement of some kind, declare victory, and walk away. But he didn't do that. And then realizing the situation, Milo's lawyer quit on him. In the end, Milo was left to fight this battle alone, with no chance of winning, and worse, no microphones. There was no media attention, nobody standing outside the courtroom to, you know, get an opinion from Milo on this. But here's what really struck me about this legal battle, and that's that from the outset, I kind of focused on the harm that could come to Simon and Schuster from the discovery and the depositions. And in the end, it was Milo that ended up getting tagged here. Our listeners might recall that a couple months ago, the editorial notes from Milo's editor, uh, Mitchell Ivers, were published online after that was made part of the public record. And they were brutal. Milo was roundly laughed at and made fun of on the internet. So... Uh, This week, Simon & Schuster was pretty happy to report their victory, but no one, I think, is going to linger on this one for too long, and I certainly don't think Simon & Schuster wants to linger on this too long, because it only calls attention to the fact that they made the decision to get into business with Milo in the first place. Uh, And I'm also quite sure that Milo's 15 minutes of rather horrible and awful fame are probably over. Well, if time's up for Milo, unfortunately, time is also up for us today, too, Andrew. Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly Senior Writer, thanks for sharing with Beyond the Book listeners this week's book publishing news. My pleasure, as always. Coming next on Beyond the Book, the Independent Book Publishers Association envisions a world where every independent publisher has the tools and knowledge needed to professionally engage in all aspects of the publishing industry. Beginning on April 5th, IBPA's Publishing University packs in lessons from data standards and marketing strategies to audiobooks and Amazon. Angela Bull, IBPA Chief Executive Officer, tells me that her members will hear at the conference in Austin from a keynote speaker on why they should push past the pursuit of achievement and get closer to the pursuit of happiness. He talks about the difference between harmonious and obsessive passion. And all of us in the publishing industry have this amazing passion for publishing. And as long as you can hit a nice streak on the harmonious side of that, then I think you can be very successful. 
But if it becomes obsessive, it becomes difficult to, to get your job done and to do it well and to be happy. And at the end of the day, you know, we're doing this because we love it. We want to stay happy. We don't want to feel overwhelmed by it. We want to strike a nice balance between, you know, what we're doing and our families and our friends and our lives outside of work. The Pursuit of Indie Publishing Happiness, next on Beyond the Book. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center, a global leader in content management, discovery, and document delivery solutions. Through its relationships with those who use and create content, CCC and its subsidiaries RightsDirect and Nixis drive market-based solutions that accelerate knowledge, power publishing, and advance copyright. Beyond the Book co-producer and recording engineer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join us again soon on Beyond the Book. Mm-hmm.